Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen and amen. How many of you had a good Thanksgiving weekend? Anybody in the house? Two of y'all. Two of y'all had good Thanksgiving weekends. I'm telling you, coming here the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I'm, y'all to just, I wish you could see the different mood up here uh, than how it usually is. You come in kind of slow, you know, just sort of need an extra cup of coffee. How many of you enjoyed your cup of coffee this morning? Anybody enjoyed your cup of coffee? Yeah. And uh, something about all that hustle and bustle and cooking and eating and probably the eating mostly, right? Anybody? And we won't ask that question. We won't ask that question. If you have your Bible, join me this morning in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Anybody glad to be here? I want to encourage you to express that, all right? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Never had anybody clap about being here. Amen. Amen. I want to say this to you if you're our guest. I mentioned that QR code, but the other thing I want to mention to you is this. Um, I hope that you wouldn't come here just to hear somebody lecture you or stand in one position and talk in a monotone voice. Uh, that's not here. And so I, uh, and the reason for that is not just me, but also for the people. So I encourage you to interact today, even if you're tired, all right? And uh, if you feel like saying amen, say amen, or whatever you feel as the Spirit of God directs you as we go along through the message, Genesis chapter 22. We're going to deal with an issue today that I believe all of us have a tendency to struggle with, and that is the issue of faith. How many of you would say that it is, in fact, a difficult thing to believe in that which you have not yet seen? Raise your hand if you think that's hard. All right, most of us would say faith is a difficult issue. I oftentimes think about uh, Thomas, you know, oftentimes referred to one of the disciples as doubting Thomas. And you remember in John 14 when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, right? In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, and there, where I may be, there you may be also. And so he's talking about this. And then Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And so we don't know how to get there, right? And so he's, his whole life is about, it's hard to believe what you have not seen yet, okay? And so today we're going to wrestle with this issue of faith. I thought about faith in my family. I thought about today, this week as I was preparing this message, I, I thought about watching faith grow in my children. And what I mean by that, I thought about over time when, uh, when you, you know, your children have to have faith in you, mom and dad, uh, grandma and granddad, whoever it is that's raising the child. What I mean by that is even when they start learning to walk, do you remember that? phase. Can anybody remember back that far? Maybe for you, you're in that phase. And your mind gets locked into this way of thinking like, I just wish they could walk. Uh, Do you remember even maybe praying? Oh, God, help them to walk, you know? And you're standing them up constantly. They don't want to stand up, but you're standing them up. Uh, And you're trying to get them to walk. They don't want to let go of things because they don't trust their legs yet, right? They've not yet seen or experienced themselves walking yet. And so you're trying to get them to come to mom and come to daddy, and they don't believe, right? And so a lot of times they won't come. But when they start to believe, they make a step. And it's interesting, isn't it? Just as soon as that happens, they begin to run, and you're praying, oh, God, I wish they didn't walk so fast, right? And so faith, you see it grow in our children. I thought about how when they used to sit on the side of the swimming pool at different places where we would be and trying to get them to jump into the water. You remember that time? <clears throat> You'd say, come on, jump to daddy. And they just look at you like, I'm not jumping out there. Come on, jump to daddy. And they just look at you. And, uh, and, and over time, finally, they start learning. They can trust mom and dad. They're not, you're not in it to harm them. You're not going to get them to jump in and drown. And so they begin to dress. And when they do, isn't it awesome to see uh, when your child or your grandchild for the first time trusts you and 
jumps in and you catch them and the joy and exuberance that's on their heart and mind because they are experiencing something good uh, that mom and dad said they could, right? And then they get to experience it because they took a leap of faith, all right? Now, today we're going to talk about is a title, a message entitled, Faith with Works is Blessed. That's the title of our message. Faith with Works is Blessed. <clears throat> now, I need to set the tone for that by saying to you, the half-brother of Jesus, a man by the name of James, who uh, in the New Testament, in, his, in the book titled by his name, James, chapter 2, verse 17, he says that faith, okay, without works is, if you know, say it with me, dead. Uh, now, what is he saying? He's saying that if my faith has no action to it, if there's no proof in how I'm living, how I'm talking, what I'm doing with my time, talent, and treasure, then I really don't have faith. I can say I have faith. I might even have a t-shirt that says I believe, maybe a bumper sticker on my car that says honk if you love Jesus. But if there's no action to my faith, I am in fact without faith. Faith without works is dead. It's not faith at all. But on the flip side of the coin, we're going to hit it from the positive, faith with works is blessed. Now, when I say blessed, I want to identify that term before I dive into the text, all right? And that is uh, our American way of thinking. When we think blessed, we think bigger house, more money, bigger car, nicer four-wheeler, newer gun, right? We think blessed. Uh, but that is not always the idea of God when he talks about being blessed, does God bless us that way? Sure, he does from time to time. But more often, he blesses us with what I'm going to refer to as the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? Gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. Uh, those things that really you long for and that you can't buy at the liquor store. Anybody out there? And so we learned that he offers us a blessed life, a life full of joy and contentment and peace and, and it doesn't, listen, he's talking about the kind of life that you have a contentment in your soul and your mind no matter what's going on in the world or what's going on in your bank account. Now, doesn't that sound like a good way to live, the blessed life? All right, so let's talk about how. Faith with works is blessed, okay? Now, what I'm going to do is invite you to stand to your feet this morning in honor of reading God's Word. And what I'm going to do is read Genesis 22, you ready? 1 through 19, how about that? And then I'm going to come back and give you some more context from the life of a man by the name of Abraham. Earlier, his name was, anybody know what his name was before it was Abraham? Abram, all right? And so uh, we're going to look at some things from his life to help build what we're going to look at today. Here in Genesis chapter 22, God has given Abraham and Sarah, who were formerly Abram and Sarai, they've given this promised son named Isaac. <clears throat> Isaac has grown a little bit. Most think he's a young adult at this time. And God is going to ask uh, of Abraham something very specific in relation to this son, this son that he's waited for and has now received, okay? And so remember, the title of the message is Faith with Works is Blessed. Let's begin reading in Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Did you know God will test you? Let me ask a question of the crowd again. Uh, now, after reading that, do you know that God will test you? Yes, he will in fact test you. He won't tempt you to evil, but he will test you. A testing is something that refines our faith, okay? Now, he'll test you. And I, I say it like this sometimes. You ever have your phone make that sound or you're riding in the car and you hear that, burn, that sound that makes you want to jump out of your skin? And then it says, this is a test, only a test of the emergency broadcast. You know, it scares you. Well, sometimes in life we're posed with those same kind of tests, but it's a test by the Holy Spirit to refine our faith. So, here, let's go back to the text. Came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham said back to, to God, here I am. And God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. Abraham said, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his own son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and then there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering. Say these words with me. Instead of his son. All right, remember that. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. You've heard Jehovah Jireh before. Uh, That's the term uh, the Lord will provide. And it is said to the day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, My, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. See, we're talking about the blessed life. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have, help me somebody, Amen. obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Will you bow with me for just a moment? God, we thank you for this day. It's a sweet day, God, to be in your house and be with your people. And Father, we know that yesterday is gone, and we're not promised to have tomorrow or even tonight, but we have this moment together. Now may we seize this moment and live it to the fullest, but we need your help to do it. Lord, in this little time we have together, would you help me with all my weaknesses and inadequacies? God, you know I'm less than an ordinary guy. I pray you'd give me a touch from heaven and use the gift you've given me by the power of your spirit to preach this word with clarity, boldness, and full of grace. Father, as you preach this word from me, preach it also to me, because God, I need my faith to be increased. And I pray that you also would tune the ears of every person in the room and those that are not in this room and those who are listening somewhere else and later on will be listening through a podcast. God, I pray that you would tune our ears to hear your still small voice. Now, Father, help us to be still in our seats as much as we can. And Lord, I pray that you would bind Satan from this place, transform us by the preaching of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want to say thanks be to God for the young children in the room, and I want to encourage you, mom and dad, uh, your children need to be under the preached Word of God. A Sunday school or small group is different than the preached Word of God. It's a different word in the Scripture altogether. And so I encourage you to have them under the preached Word of God. You say, well, they won't listen. It'll blow your mind what they listen to. And so I'm also encouraged as each kid in the room to do two things for me. One, keep the people around you awake, 
okay? Uh, check them every once in a while because they've had turkey. And turkey's lethal in the area of sleepiness, okay? And so make sure they're awake. And then also do this. When we draw a picture based on what you hear about Abraham going up the mountain, riding with his donkeys and his son Isaac, and he's just about to take his life, but then he doesn't. And draw me a picture as you hear that story, the historical account of God saving and providing as you go through the message with us together this morning, okay? So let me rewind back to the beginning and give you the main idea. Here it is. The main idea of today's passage is all in faith. And that's what we're going to describe his kind of faith, Abraham's kind of faith. We're going to call it all in faith, all right? So all in faith, here it is, main idea, all in faith is blessed by God. Can we say that together? All in faith is blessed by God. All in faith. Now, we're talking about total surrender. We're talking about every area of our life. We're, we're talking about not withholding anything from his lordship, but every part of our life is surrendered to him to do his will and to bring him glory. So, y'all tracking with me? Have I spent enough time shaping out the all in kind of faith? All right, I can move on. All right, good. Here we go. Now, what I want to do today is I'm going to uh, go back a little further in Genesis chapter 12. Now, we're not going to turn there, but I want you to write it in your notes. Uh, this is going to help you formulate an idea of who this Abram or Abraham is, okay? And how he had learned who God is and how to trust him along the way. So first of all, write this in your notes. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. Just write this down in your notes. This is just the introduction. It's not the sermon. Hallelujah. You glad? Yeah, because you, you probably need to skip lunch today anyway. All right, here we go. Y'all ain't even going to laugh with me today. All right, write this down, all right? So Genesis 12, 1 to 5, here's an observation. All in faith is not restrained by comfort. Just jot that down. You can go back and read it this afternoon. It's calorie-free. You can read it as you're laying down. It won't put a pound on you. Okay, feed on it. Genesis 12, 1 to 5. All in faith is not restrained by comfort. What happens there? Abram is living in a place called Ur. Okay, it's his hometown. It's where he's been. It's where his family is. He's a grown-up man. He's got his family. He's got his work. Everything he has is associated with Ur. And God says to him, comes to him and says, I want you to leave Ur. In other words, I want you to leave everything that you have comfort and logic and, and based and built up. I want you to leave all of that behind. And I want to have a, a nation of people that are my own people. And I'm going to begin it with you. But you're going to have to take this first step of faith and walk away from what's comfortable to you. And so, how many of you know what Abraham does? He leaves. By the way, not only did God say, I want you to leave, but he said, I want you to leave. I'm not going to show you where to go. Just go that way, and I'll tell you when you get there. Can you imagine that? Like, can you just think about that for a minute? That God would say to you, you know, um, I, I want you just to pack up your stuff. Don't worry about your family and all that. Leave them there. Pack up, and y'all go and go. Where where you want us to go to? Just keep going that way. I'll tell you when you get there. And what a, what a huge, tremendous act of faith. But the Scripture says that Abram just, he did what God said. He left. So you see a faith developing that proves itself in action, okay? Well, let's fast forward a little bit. In your notes, write these verses down. Uh, Genesis 12, 2, and 3. Second observation, just moving forward, learning about Abram. All in faith involves, now wait, this is going to really fire you up, waiting. Look at that look on your face. How many of you like to wait? Anybody in the room like to wait? Do you find yourself over the last couple of days saying, man, when is it going to be ready? Huh? Anybody's meal was a little later than what you had planned to eat? Anybody? Raise your hand if your meal was a little later than what you... Oh, wow, it happens, doesn't it? And there were people saying, is it going to ever be ready, right? Because we really hate to wait, right? We are what's referred to as the microwave generation, meaning we'll take a chicken breast previously cooked, pop it in the microwave out of the refrigerator because we have a little short lunch time. We put it on one minute, and we wait for one minute, and it seems like that one minute is three days. 
Y'all know I'm talking about 60, 59. I'm like, come on, count faster, 57. Oh, man, it's 56, 55. Like, man, how, how long can a minute be, right? And, and, and so we're, we want what we want. We want it now. But what happens in Genesis 12, verses uh, 2 and 3, Abram is 75 years old, and God says to him, I'm going to, out of you, uh, make a nation that is going to be very large, a very large nation out of you. Now, in order for you to have a nation named after you that is very large, you have to have a male, right? You have to have a son in your house to carry on the family name. And so God said, I'm going to have a, a nation born after you of your seed, and the seed of, uh, of God himself going to come through that seed. His name's Jesus. And so he says, I'm going to do that. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through him. But he says, I'm going to do that. And yet here he is at 75 and he doesn't have a son. Fast forward to Genesis 15, 1 through 6. He is now 85 years old. And so can you imagine uh, waiting for something for 10 long years? Uh, you know, when you wait for something for a year, come on, somebody. When you wait for something for, let me just, six months, you know, when you're praying for like some type of a miracle and you have to wait for a week, a day, how many of you like me, when you pray it, you, you just like wish it would happen like right then, bam. And yet oftentimes God puts us in what I call his waiting room. And so for 10 long years, times 365 days in a year, you do the math and you can figure out how many days he was waiting for this son who was supposed to come. That's a long time. They're praying for a son. They're hoping for a son. They're looking for a son. They go to bed one night. They wake up the next morning, no pregnancy. One night, then it becomes the next day, no pregnancy. And don't you know, somewhere in those 10 years, it begins to be a struggle, doesn't it, to believe God? Anybody ever found yourself there? After some time, it begins to be, God, where are you? God, can you? God, are you? And sometimes we settle on the fact that it's not going to be done, and we just go ahead and accept things the way that they are. And so at 85, he has a, a little disparency in his heart, Abram does, and he says to God, how am I going to have a nation of, of many when I don't even have a son? Only, only heir in my house is born to a servant. And God reminds him at 85 in Genesis chapter 15, 1 to 6, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to. I told you I was, and I'm going to. Hey, let me remind you something about God. His timing is perfect. But it always seems to be too late for me and you, doesn't it? It does, and so he's waiting. Now let's fast forward to Genesis 18, 10, and then into chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. Now the son is born, but do you know how old Abraham is at this particular time? 100 years old. So, 25 long years of waiting for what God said he was going to do. 25 years of waiting for pregnancy, 25 years waiting to, to, for a son that will continue and to help build this nation. I don't know about you, but I've been looking at the clock thinking, man, we're, it's, too, it's too much time's gone. It's impossible now. We're, we're older now. How can we father a nation of people, this numerical, when we're this old? And yet, just at the right time, by the way, God's always on time. Abram is learning that God says what he says, means what he says, and does what he says according to his timing, purpose, and plan. Don't you know that leading up to chapter 22, Abram has learned that you can leave what's comfortable and God's still good. You can be waiting in the waiting room and God's still good. God can bring the miracle to happen and God's still good. And now he finds himself in chapter 22 and verse 1 and now everything's good, right? He's learned about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and God says, hey, I got one more something I want to run by you. I'm about to test and see what you really believe about me. 
And so I want to just walk you through this, if I could, with six different statements, okay? Six statements that deal with the main idea, all in faith is blessed by God. Number one, we're going to, we're going to start them the same way, all in faith, and we'll figure, we're going to express it six different ways, pointing back to it's blessed by God. Number one, all in faith is tested, now listen to this, all in faith is tested through priority, through priority. Now, what are you talking about? Well, let me ask you. If you were to list out your priorities, the things, the people, the places that are the most important to you, if you had to make a list of the five top persons and things in your life, what would they be? Now, just hold on because I know we got a bunch of Sunday school answers in the house, and everybody's going to put God down there at number one. And then number two, everybody's going to put family, right? And then number three, everybody's going to put church, right? And what I want you to do, instead of let's playing that game, let's take a moment and be ugly honest. Now, some people hear us say ugly honest here at Hickory Ridge, and they think, man, they're mean to each other. No, no, no. Ugly honest doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm mean to you about where you are. It means I'm honest about where I am. It means I don't try to fancy it up. It means I don't try to put a mask on. It means I just am honest about where I am. I believe this. If you and I are honest about where we are, which is humility, we have a greater chance of getting where God wants us to be. So, uh, priority. What would be your number one priority? Now, here's what I want you to do. In a moment of ugly honesty, I want you to think about for just a minute your, and I know we don't use these a lot, so maybe your bank app or your checking account. And I want you to think about priority in spending, okay? And I want you to, I want you just for a minute, think about what you pay for and what you purchase and what you buy, okay, for just a minute. Okay, y'all got that? Boy, y'all don't have to look at the carpet. Look up. Look up. We're just talking about what we're spending on, all right? Because what you spend more on, obviously, is a high priority, okay? Uh, so some of us right now would have to put, uh-oh, uh-oh, watch this, hunting. I love that. Hear that deafening silence? <laughs> some of us would have to put shopping. And so we, we would have pr priority one would be something other than God, maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Sometimes, number one would be family. And what I want you to see is the priority of Abraham's life could have been this son, this only son. This, uh, let's read the text. Listen to what he says in verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram, Abraham, and this is what he said to him. Abraham, and he said, here I am. Listen to verse 2. And so he says, take now your son. Now, listen to the wording here. As Moses records what's going on, I want you to think for just a minute about what is it that God is saying to us? Watch how it's recorded. Take now your son. Well, first of all, if you have a son, you love your son. Amen. Boy, y'all are dragging this morning. I'll be running by you again. We're going to be here all day if y'all don't come on. All right, here we go. Uh, you have, if you have a son, you love your son. Amen? Yes. You, now, unless something is wrong with you, unless something is wrong with you, you love your son. And it is a love that's very hard, right? Doesn't matter what they do or how they respond. You just, you, you love them. You can't help but to, right? But listen, in case you missed it, he says, take now your son, take now your only son. Now, what, what I've learned about uh, parents that uh, have one child, man, they love that child. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that maybe more than a person has a lot of children, but it just seems to be a little different. Have you noticed that? Uh, parents that have one child, man, they, they pour all that love into that, into that child. They, they, they maybe be dispersed over more, but it's, it's poured out into one. But just in case we didn't get it now, listen, by the way, you see how he's going out of his way to make sure we understand how high priority Isaac is in Abraham's life? Take now your son, priority. Take now your only son, priority. But then in case you think he's a man of arrogance and selfishness, he says, 
this only son whom, y'all help me, whom you love, who your life exhibits the fact that you love him and that he's on your mind and you care for him. Um, I, I, I love the fact that love is observable. Did you know that? All right, I'm going to run it by you again. We're going to catch on here in a minute. Uh, how many of you know that love is observable? Uh, I've got many pictures of Brian and Titus because a lot of times they may come in my office for a minute or whatever or out in the hallway serving together, and I take pictures of him uh, and Titus together when they're doing things together because the way they look at each other and how they interact with each other, I'm telling you, uh, love is observable. You can see it. You can just see it. And you love him, right? You love him with all your heart. And here's what he says. I want you to take this son. Let's test your priority. And I want you to take his life. I want you to give him to me. I want you just to hold that for a minute in your mind and your heart. Put it, put it in your context. Put it in your context. Uh, let's just say, Derek, it was Aiden, you know. I want you to take Aiden and I want you to give him to me. I should take his life. I want you to think about the weight of that. Now, let me pause right here in the heaviness of this moment and have a disclaimer, because some of y'all may doze off, that turkey start working on you, and you'll leave out of here saying, man, I went to Hickory's, and that preacher preached on God wants us to kill our children. Don't you dare kill your child, amen? God, listen to me, God has never required human sacrifice, nor is he now, it's a test. You with me? You'll never be justified before God to say, well, I heard a message one time, said, kill him, so I killed one of them. Don't kill him, amen. I know sometimes you're thinking about wanting to, but don't kill him. And so, and so, now the weightiness of the matter. Here's the test. I'm going to see where your priority is. Is your priority your family? Is your, is your priority hunting? Is your priority, is your priority, here's one that's very common. Is your priority your career? Is your, is your priority so much your career that you, the, the kingdom is not really on your radar, it's all about the career, and instead of pursuing the career with the purpose of the kingdom, you're just pursuing the career with all you have. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? So what I want you to see is he's weighing, he wants him to weigh out his priorities. And let me say this to you today. God wants you to weigh out your priorities this morning. And ask yourself, are you willing to turn over everything you have and everything you are to him as Lord of all? So let me go back to the text. Here's what happens. He says, I want you to take your son, your, your only son, the son whom you love, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah. So you're reading through this, and you're thinking, okay, cool. Maybe they're going on a hunting trip. Maybe they're going to go, because, you know, we don't, we don't have the full revelation. It's just like, you know, in time. And so he says, I want you to think about being, being uh, Abraham and think, okay, you want me to take Isaac? Cool. I love Isaac. I love hanging out with Isaac. He is my only son. I love spending time with him. Where do you want us to go? I want you to go to Moriah. Sweet. We'll go to Moriah, and we'll hang out. Maybe we can go hunt, elk hunting, and we can go spend some time together and just fellowship with the Lord. And then he says and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. And I want you to imagine the devastation of that moment. I want you just to think for just a second about how heavy an assignment, and I want you to understand that an all-in faith is going to be tested through the priorities of your life. Right now, God's causing you to evaluate your life and ask yourself the question, is there anything that's so valuable that you're not willing to turn it over so that you might walk with him closer and serve him better? So walking through the text, I just wrote some questions down in mind, and so I want to share them with you if that's okay, something for you to write down and wrestle with on your own, because I don't want you to leave here today thinking about, well, this really applies to my husband, or that applies to my wife, or my best friend, or my boyfriend, or my girlfriend, or this guy, or my teacher, but that you and I would all individually wrestle with this text by ourselves and see how it applies to us. So in my notes, I wrote first person questions. Here's one. What have I deemed off limits that has served as a stumbling block to a blessed life? What is it that my hands have held on to so tightly 
that have kept God from being able to bless me in that area because I won't release them to him. Something for you to wrestle with, something for me to wrestle with. Let me just say this statement. I'm going to move on. God often tests us with what we hold in the position of number one love, first love. Did you know that God is jealous for you? Now, the Word of God says our God's a jealous God. He is. And He's not jealous of you because what can you and I do compared to God? What do I have compared to God? He's not jealous of me and you. He's jealous for us, meaning He wants position number one in our hearts and in our lives. Now, someone said to me one time, what if I, if I put Him as number one, what in the world is my family going to do? Oh, man, if you'll put Him as number one and you pursue Him with all that you are and you fall in love with Him and spend time with Him every day, your family's going to be so loved, they'd have wished you did it sooner. Because when you love God and you get to know him better, he helps you love other people better. He helps you love other people better. And by the way, there's not a list of the top five. There's really one list, and it's really one, and it's God. And after that, let the love of God flow through your life into every relationship. So moving forward, number two, all in faith. We're starting the same way. All in faith is tested through priority. God tested him in the area of his number one priority, his only son, who he loved, Isaac. Number two, all in faith dictates our action. Did you know that what you believe you'll do? Boy, I'm telling you, it's a tough crowd today. One more time. Did you know that what you believe, you'll do? I believe with all my heart, you trust that chair was going to hold you. You know why I believe it? Because you're sitting in it. If you would have looked at that chair, and some bolt would have been missing, and the chair top would have been kind of tilted on it, and you would have looked at it, and your mind said, that thing's not going to hold you, guess what? You wouldn't have sat in it. And so what you believe, help me somebody, you do. What you believe, you do. All in faith dictates our actions. So, what does Abraham do when challenged in his priority, his allegiance? Does he love God more? Does he love Isaac more? It's a test, if you will. All in faith is tested through priority, but second, all in faith dictates action. Watch what he does. Verse number three. So, Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Now, I want you to consider for just a minute. Sometimes I've pondered that, why did he get up so early in the morning? And it could be, now this is just some, you know, imagination here, if you will. It could be that he didn't want to have that conversation with his wife. Because, like, I like to put myself in the story, right? The historical account. Put me in there. And imagine me getting up the next morning and waking Tina up and saying, hey, honey, listen, me and, me and Riley, we're going to go on a little trip. Where y'all going? Oh, we're going to Mariah. We're going over to Mariah. What are y'all going to do? Well, I'm going to kill him. Now, it seems silly, but what, I mean, really, if I was to have that serious conversation, God told me to kill him. The fight would be on. And so, he leaves early in the morning, but I want you to notice something that all in faith, right, dictates our action. He believed God so much, you don't find one argument. But God, but God, you promised him to me. But God, I waited on him. You know, I wait, you made me wait 25 years. But God, how am I going to have no, no questions of how, no arguments against? He just saddled the donkeys and left. Somebody here needs to hear me say this this morning. Whatever it is that God has told you to do, it's time for you to stop contemplating it and arguing with him about it and saddle your donkey and go and do exactly what he told you to do. Now, I want to be careful this morning to, to, to simplify something for you because there is a monumental difference between a good idea and a word from God. Some of us operate sometimes as a good idea, as a word from God. And I want to tell you that it's not the same. You must be certain it is a word from God. And remember this, a word from God will always line up with the word of God. Anybody tracking with me? 
And so, as this unfolds, you have to determine by staying near to him, by knowing what his word says, by having good godly men and women in your life to help counsel you as you hear things from heaven, as you understand the scripture, and you feel as if God is telling you to do something to help you determine what's a good idea and a word from God. A good idea ought to be talked about. A good idea ought to be uh, uh, worked through. A good idea ought to be listened for some other options. A good idea sometimes need to be scrapped and thrown away. Come on, somebody. But a word from God, none of those apply. A word from God, you just have to saddle your donkey and go. And what would your life look like, by the way, if you just started to stop arguing with God and stop questioning God and whatever God said doing his word, you just did it. I'll tell you, be blessed. Be blessed. So uh, it continues to unfold this historical account of this man, uh, Abraham, and his son Isaac. And so he saddles up his donkey. Look back in verse 3. And he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering. Now, nobody enjoys splitting wood, really. Can you imagine splitting wood to know that you were going to burn your son on it? I can hear the sound of that splitting maw. I know he didn't have a splitting maw like, like we have, but you can just hear it, can't you? Getting out of breath. Maybe he had some tears in his eyes. I don't know. He's thinking about his son dying, splitting the wood. All right, let's read a little further. But listen, all in faith dictates action. Faith without works is dead. It's not saved. Here's the theological term, salvific faith. A faith that saves has action to it, okay? So let me just sort of walk on through. Verse number three says he split the wood, and he went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, so they're spending time there. It didn't just happen right away. Three days passed. I don't know about you, but he said God told him. He went to the place God told him, and then three days I've been like, come on, God, can we, get, can we go ahead and do this thing? I don't know about you, but I hate waiting ahead of something, don't you? And I know it's going to happen. Can we just go ahead and do it if we're going to do it? Three days, and he says, then on the third day, God, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. God highlighted where a specific place he wanted him to go. And Abraham said to his young man, listen close, stay here with the donkey. Oh, man, can you imagine what's about to happen? He says, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and look, listen to what he calls, listen to what he calls this act of complete and total sacrifice by faith. He says, the lad and I are going to go over yonder and we're going to do what? Worship. Remember when I tell you the definition of worship is any action or inaction, any word or thought that proves what someone or something is worth to you. So he says, this is an expression. Me taking the life of my son is going to be an expression of my love for God. Now, that just sounds so crazy. But at the same time, we know there's a balance here that, that, that Abraham knows something good is going to happen. He said, how do you know that? Read a little further. Listen, all in faith dictates what you do. He loaded the, he, he, he got saddled up his donkeys. He split the firewood. He gets his son. He leaves. He's waiting on the place. Verse number five, and Abraham said, y'all stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I'm going to go on. But listen to this word, this great word of faith. You ready? In the end of verse five, he says, and here's a word you need to circle underline your Bible, and we will return. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Does that make sense if I'm going to go over on the mountain and, and kill my son and ha burn him up as a burnt offering, and there's no way for me and him to come back unless I believe God's going to do something supernatural? Come on, somebody. And so Abraham had such a faith because he'd already seen the faithfulness of God when he left Ur, and he saw the faithfulness of God when he made a promise at 75 and then a re-promise at 85, and then the culmination of the promise at 100. He'd already learned that God was to be trusted in all things. And so he said, here's my son. I trust you're going to work it out. And the writer of the New Testament said that he knew that either the son was going to resurrect or God was going to provide another way. What if you and I believed God that much? 
that we would walk completely by faith, that we trust him with all that we are, all in faith dictates our actions. Let me ask you something. What does God ask you to do that you've not yet done? Here's how I wrote it in my notes. What, what does God ask me to do that I'm not yet doing? I believe with all my heart there's some people in here that God's spoken to you and he's called you to start ministries, to start businesses, to close businesses, to move local. I don't know what it is, but I know he's called you to do something. You're assured of it, but you've pushed that voice back because you're afraid of the outcome. Today, I want to call your attention to the faithfulness of God in every season of your life before. Why would he stop now? Let me move on if I can. So, Roman number two, we said all in faith dictates our, y'all help me, action. You can wear a t-shirt, you can put a bumper sticker, but if your life doesn't demonstrate faith, it's not saving faith. It's not real faith. It's dead. Moving along, number three, all in faith, watch this, trusts in God's provision. Trusting God's provision. God's going to make a way. I'm going to do this because God said do it, and I know he's going to make a way. I'm going to do what he asked me to do with, with, at all costs because I know he's going to make a way. All right? Picking up in verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. So they began the journey up Moriah. All right? Now, let's go a little further. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father. Isaac begins to pay attention. He's paying attention to what's going on. And he says, Dad... Uh, here I am, my son, and he says, man, look, Dad, uh, I mean, I, I see that we have fire, and I see that we have, what's the other thing he sees? Wood. We've got two very important things for the burnt sacrifice, burnt offering, but there's something missing. He asked the question, where's the lamb? Something has to die. There's a, there's a lamb that's going to be killed, right? And there's substitutionary death. Something's going to, but I see the wood, I see the fire, I don't see that. We didn't even bring a lamb with us. What's going on? And Abraham said, listen, my son, can you imagine having your son ask you that? And you really are ready and prepared to take his life. And you're looking in the eyes of your, your only son. And he said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, you talk about a life of faith impacting a son's life. Can you imagine selling that to your son? And your son saying, Dad, I don't, no way. You, your life's been wishy-washy. You, you go to church one Sunday a month. I don't believe in what you have to say about Jesus. Go on with yourself. I'm going to do what I want to do when I get my chance. I wonder how your children are doing in this war where the enemy is striving to destroy and kill everything good in their lives. I wonder how they're doing as they live their life by faith the way they watched you live it. Have you set them up to be a warrior in the faith and to withstand the wiles and the attacks of the devil? Or, or has your life been an example of faithlessness that has set them up to live the same thing? Oh, that today would be a changing point. Some of you say, well, they're already raised. Listen, you can always narrow the gap. And they can always see a difference in grandpa and grandma, right? And their grandkids, hopefully. And I just, I want to say to you this. It is imperative. I'm looking at a whole bunch of young people in here and a lot of children in here and a lot. I know our nursery. The reason we're building that big old two-story building is because the children around here like you kick the top off of an anthill. So while I have you here, let me challenge you to say, start living your life by faith so they'll know how to do it. Start living your life so that as things continue to unfold in, in, in the culture, they'll know how to stand and live a life on faith because they saw it in mom and dad. Don't set them up to fail, okay? Let me move on. All in faith, trust in God's provision. He said, God's going to take care of it, my son. And they go ahead on, verse number nine, I'm going to read a little further along. Uh, so again, I wanted to say, number, Roman number four, all in faith, listen to this. This is a difficult one. My goodness, this is a difficult one. All in faith has no boundaries, so it trusts in God to provide, but it has no boundaries. In other words, all-in kind of faith, saving kind of faith, true faith says, everything in my life, Lord, is really yours. 
You know that when a person comes to faith in Jesus, uh, Paul described himself as a bondservant. You know what that is? That term bondservant is a free will slave. It means a person who has signed over the title deed of all their possessions and all of their time, and they've turned it over to some other master. That's the term that Paul used. And maybe when you got saved, you thought you just asked Jesus to be, come into your heart and be your co-pilot, but you missed it. He's never intended to be a co-pilot. He's intended to be Lord of all. Now, some of you are thinking that you hear that, and you say, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. Well, the whole point of the issue is that you have to begin to understand the one who is directing your path. There's a monumental shift when you begin to realize that he's not trying to suck the fun out of your life but that he's trying to put you on a path that he can bless you with peace and contentment and joy and all the wonderful things you can't buy at the liquor store and you can't purchase at Walmart. Here it is, all in faith has no boundaries. Look at verse 9. And they came to a place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And here's the thing. Now, this word really gets real for me. And he bound Isaac. You know, when I, I read through this, I thought, I, I thought to myself, what would it be like? What would it be like? Just you imagine what it would be like to tie Slade's hands up. You know, put your hands out, son. Let me tie them up. Why, Dad? Well, you're the lamb. I'm fishing out to kill you. And, and I want you to think about how painful that must have been. But at the same time, there's a measure of faith. It's, Abraham says, I know God's going to take care of this. This is the son he promised me. Either he's going to resurrect him or he's going to provide some other way. But I'm carrying through because he said do it. And I'm going to trust him. I want you to imagine what it must have been like. Now, let me just point back to the faith of the father learned and expressed in the son. Can you imagine the son? You got a hundred and something year old dad, 115, 20 year old dad. One on one, Isaac's chances are pretty good. But he didn't fight him. Because Isaac's relationship with the Lord and with his dad and watching his dad live his relationship with the Lord is such that he says, Here's my hand, go ahead. There's no argument. He's just seen such a real, authentic faith in his dad that he now knows what it means to be submissive to the will of God and trust God with the outcome. Here, tie my hands. As a son, I can't imagine being put in that spot. Can anybody else? And I pray that as a dad, some of my faith has been expressed in such a way that my boys will be able to see, and my girls as well, to live their life based on what they've seen. Let me move on if I can, all right? So all in faith has no boundaries. He's bound him now, and he says, in, he puts the wood in order, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him up on the altar. Can you see this in your mind? He's tied his son's hands and feet, and he's laid him up on the altar, on the wood. He's about to take his life. Look at verse 10. And Abraham, in case you thought he was just going to go that far, verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand. Y'all help me. What did he do next? Took the knife. Now, now it was in something, and so he had to get it out. So can you imagine, you know, opening the leather pouch or what have you and reaching in, grabbing the knife and thinking about your flesh and blood, your only son, the son you love, the son of promise, and you got the knife in your hand and you say, I'm just trusting God, I'm just trusting God. You know, sometimes we just have to keep on just trusting God, even when it doesn't make any sense. And he raises the knife. What a moment. What a moment. He raises the knife. And as he raises the knife, let me just sort of kind of move forward if I can. All right, all in faith has no boundaries, all right? Question I pose is this, what have I declared off limits to God? I got to give you everything, but don't ask me to, I give you everything, but don't, don't, don't take this. God, everything in my life is, is subject to your control and your guidance, except I'm going to keep this part for me. It has no boundaries. But then number five, and we only have six, Y'all listening faster than you thought. All in faith 
leads to God's provision. Now, this is the kicker. You're trusting God, and you're doing what God says do. Or maybe you've not been trusting God, and maybe you've delayed obedience, which is disobedience. And so maybe today, after hearing what you've heard, the Spirit of God and the Word of God would activate something in you, and by faith, you would do what God's been asking you to do. And if you will, what comes next is the provision of God. Let me show you, all right? Look in verse number 11 and 12. Oh, but notice the provision didn't come until the obedience took place. You want to wonder why sometimes the need hadn't been met? Because the obedience hadn't come yet. Verse 11, read with me, okay? So, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Don't you know that was music to his ears? If nothing else but to delay what was about to happen. And he says, here I am. And the, the Lord said, and he said, do not lay your hand on the lad. Remember, God does not require human sacrifices. God is not pleased with human sacrifices. God never, not once, before or after. Are you with me? Don't lay your hand on that boy or do anything. Don't hurt a hair on don't, don't even push him. Take care of him. For now I know, listen, for now I know that you, come on, y'all help me, fear God. Now what is he saying? Now I know that God is priority one. Now I know for sure that God is priority one. You know how you know when God's priority one? When you're willing to give up anything for him. Like, what if God said to you, I don't want you to hunt this season at all, zero? Some of you guys are looking look kind of pale. What is it? That you want to find out, when we find out where our allegiance is, are we willing to give up everything for him? That he might be glorified. Let me read on just a little bit further. And by the way, this is not a very cultural, popular thing. You understand that. It's why we have to schedule things around hunting seasons and ball seasons and different things when we're doing mission projects and things because not many of us really have gotten to that place. We're all, hey, by the way, it's not a beat you up moment. It's not, we're a work in progress moment. But it's also not an excuse moment to say, Lord, this is where I want to be. Help me get there. Help me get there, God. Read with me just a little further, okay? So all in faith leads to God's provision. From verse 11, he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't touch the boy. I know now that you fear God since you have not, and I love this, I've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Whatever you do, don't withhold something from the Lord. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him, all oh, look at here, was a ram. And the ram wasn't running, you know, rampant on the hillside because then a 120-ish old uh, Abraham would have to go chase the ram, and that's probably not something fun. But the Lord's provision is so perfect and on time that the moment of his obedience, there is a ram. Now, some people call this happenstance, circumstance, luck. I say there are no such things but the provision of God. And so as he's obeyed by faith, all of a sudden, there in the thorns and the thicket is a ram. How, how wonderful and perfect the provision of God. His timing is right. His essence is right. And so he says, the ram is caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram. Sounds easy, doesn't it? A whole lot easier than taking your son. And he offered it up for a burnt offering. I love this. Here it is. Here's the, here's the key to it. Instead of his son. Listen, what I need for you to understand for just a minute about this salvation issue is that Jesus died instead of you. Instead of you. Now think about that for a minute. You and I, because of our sins, should have been dealt with accordingly, but because of the graciousness and mercy of God, we've not been dealt with according to our sin, but somebody was. At just the right time, not a ram, 
but a lamb, the lamb, wasn't caught by his thorns or horns in the thicket, willingly came down to earth at just the right time and said, I'll die instead of them so that they might live. Now, let me say something about the provision of God. You say, okay, well, preacher, I'm sort of tying in this now, and I'm beginning to see now that then, then, then there's some works that I'm going to have to do in order to get what Jesus... No, 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 not at all, not at all. You're just going to have to have an all-in faith. Well, wait a minute, are those two separable? No, they're really not. But you can't have the works ahead of the faith, right? The faith is what produces works. And the faith has to say, I believe Jesus Christ left the throne of heaven, came down to earth, and died for me on Calvary's cross. The death I deserved, Jesus died instead of me. And now if I put my trust and hope in him and confess him as Lord, I get all the benefit of knowing God. As Corbin said, not knowing about God, but knowing God and being made right with God and have my sins forgiven and being conveyed from the power of darkness to the kingdom of the son of his love and having been delivered from the power of darkness uh, to the power of light. I I want you to understand today, there's wonderful provision in Jesus Christ, but you'll have to come by faith. You'll have to come by faith. And the faith will not be without action. It won't be, I'll pray this prayer and then go live my life for me. The faith will be, I'm trusting him so much, I'm turning my life over to him, giving Jesus control of my life. The title deed is signed over, and I've turned it over to King Jesus because I trust he's the only one worthy of directing my resources and my time. Oh, I want you to see the provision of God comes when you and I by faith obey. And then finally, in conclusion, number six. How about that? We've made it. Look in verses 15 to 17, and I want to tie it all together by saying this, all in faith leads to blessing. Now, as you're writing that, I want to ask a question of you just before we close. How many of you want to be blessed by God? I love that right there. Like some of y'all got the Sunday school like, is this selfish of me to say yes? No, you ought to want the blessing of God in your life. Peace and joy and patience and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and self-control and all those wonderful things, contentment and peace, all the stuff that Jesus Christ brings to the life of a sinner when he comes in his Lord of their life. You can't buy it at a liquor store. You can't find it at Walmart. No woman can fulfill it. No man can. No job, no career, no sport. Nothing will ever do. You'll have to pour stuff on top of pour stuff. Why? Because there's a void in your heart designed only that God might fit there, and he's a big God. So you put everything in there you want. It'll never be full until you invite Jesus to be Lord. Now watch what happens, okay? So because, and by the way, don't you know there was some pain involved in this testing? Come on, somebody. Anybody tracking with me? You think this was hard for Abraham? Sure, he loved his son, his only son. Sure, it was hard. But don't you know right now he's relieved? Huh? Whew, I didn't have to kill my son. I get to keep my son, and and there are blessings that come. Read with me, verse 10. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. On the mount it was provided. That's where Jesus bled and died. Everything was provided there for you and for me. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And the angel said this, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. What is the thing? And have not withheld your son, your only son. Listen closely, verse 17. Y'all reading with me? Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. Now, let me just pause right there. And, and as the sand on the seashore. I had somebody come to me one time and say, I don't know if I want that blessing. Huh? I got enough kids. Me and Tina don't want no more children. We want all the grandchildren we can have. Huh? We don't want no more kids. So you may be saying to yourself, I don't know if I want to obey God because I don't know if I want a big bunch of people. Listen, the blessing was specific to Abraham in this text. 
But the blessing to me and you is also general in that whatever it is that you and I do by faith, God's going to bless it. He's going to add to our life beneficial things. Let me read a little further along. He says, and your, I mean, end of verse 17, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then he tells him why again. Verse 18, listen closely. Because, you with me? Because you have, help me y'all. Because you've done what I said do. Because you've obeyed my voice. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. You didn't know it was going to come to pass. You just simply said what I said do. You did what I said do, and you met the provision of God because, and the blessing of God because you did what I said do. Listen, there are going to be a lot of things in your life that you don't understand that God's going to ask you to do, like forgive your enemy. There's going to be a lot of things that God asks you to do, like be generous with your time, talent, and treasure. There's going to be a lot of things God asks you to do, love people where they are, and let God do the work in their heart and their life. There's going to be a lot of things that God asks you to do, a lot of things. This God's going to ask you to do, tell you to do, command you to do. They aren't going to be comfortable. They don't feel right. They're going to cost you some things. But if you and I act by faith, all in kind of faith, it'll be blessed by God. He goes on to tell him, because you've obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they all went and spent time at Beersheba. I want you to understand something about, about God, if I could. All in faith leads to blessing, and God wants to bless your life. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I know, I'm surprised too. Time's run out on us. Now, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just for a moment, I want you to consider the main idea of what we've looked at. One main thought, all in faith is blessed by God. Here's my question for you. Where's your faith? What have you been trusting in? Have you began to believe it's your work and your efforts and your planning and your preparation that's leading to good blessing in time? Are there some areas in your life like me that Maybe you've held for yourself and surrendered some to God, but not all to God. That today would be a good time to just say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I need to surrender my family to you. I need to trust you with them. God, I need to surrender my, you fill in the blank. Help me to put you as priority one. Maybe you're here today and you're in the waiting room. And I want to challenge you, if you're in the waiting room, you've been praying for something and God said he's going to do it, maybe it's been 20 years or 25 years or 50 years, I don't know how long it's been. It may have seemed like forever and it was just last week. Let me just challenge you right here. Don't waste the waiting room of God. He's there. And oftentimes the intent of God in us waiting is to learn that he's the treasure and not the miracle. And so what a blessing to get to the place in the waiting room that you enjoy hanging out with Jesus in the waiting room so much that it doesn't matter if the miracle comes or not. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm not there yet, and I believe there's probably some others in the room that aren't quite there yet. And so what if today we just bow before the master and said, Lord, would you increase my faith? By a show of hands, how many in the room would say, you know what, I've come in today and I realize I really need the Lord to strengthen my faith. Would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who've raised their hands now toward heaven. I pray, God, that you would, as the disciples asked Jesus here on the earth, increase our faith. And Lord, would you also, would y'all pray this with me? Lord, forgive my unbelief. Forgive me for not, for ever doubting you. Forgive me for even contemplating the outcome of obedience. Lord, forgive me for listening to the voice of my flesh more than I sometimes listen to the voice of your spirit. How many of you would say, I'm in the waiting room and I just need God to give me a touch? 
You've been waiting for something. Would you slip your hand up? You've been waiting for God to do something in your life. I see you there, hands all over the place. You're just in the waiting room. You need a miracle in a physical way or an emotional, spiritual way or financial way. Father, I pray you give stamina. I pray, God, that you revive us again, that we might find joy in you. Those in the waiting room, remind them you're teaching, shaping, and molding there. And that you are, in fact, in the waiting room with them. Father, I pray if there's one person here who's never invited Jesus Christ to be Lord, that today would be the day. Now, I want to talk to you for a minute with heads bowed and eyes closed. Did you know that you could invite Jesus to be Lord of your life right where you're seated? I want to say that the altar's open. If you feel led to come down this altar and just spend a little time there praying, it's open. Come on, you just make your way on down. People have already started making their way down. Matter of fact, would you stand to your feet and make it easy? I believe there's some others who want to come down this altar and just spend a little time with the king and say, Jesus, meet me there at the altar. And Lord, would you do a work of grace in my heart? Help me, Lord. Help me to believe. Help me to have a faith that's all in, that my life demonstrates what I believe, that my kids can see it, that my grandkids can see it, that my classmates can see it, my friends can see it, my coworkers can see it. Somebody today needs to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. I pray you would right now. You can do it right where you're seated, kneeled, or seated. Did you know that? Riding down the road. You can surrender your life to King Jesus. If you would believe, he bled and died and rose again as the Son of God for your sins and mine, and that he rose again. And if you believe it in such a way, see, belief with action. You believe it in such a way, it leads you to the action of surrender. I don't want to be the boss of me anymore. Jesus, come and be Lord. He'll save you. Be saved today while there's time. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Would you please move in our hearts this morning? God, I pray that we would all listen and be attentive and submissive to your spirit. I pray you'd bind the enemy who tries to distract and discourage us. Let us move now with faith. Let us respond today by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.